I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. What is up, Rush Nation? Ash of Five Yard College here. Today, we have a very special episode coming up with my co-host Tom and the legend that is Jeff Reinbold. But first, I wanted to remind you to drop us a follow on Twitter, at Five Yard College, and give us your recommendations of your favourite college teams for our Win Tom's Heart segment of the pod. We want as much listener interaction to help Tom make the right choice. And so, without further ado, enjoy the episode, and remember... Saturdays are for rushing too. Rush Nation, what is happening? I'm Tom Scott. Unfortunately, Ash can't be with us tonight, but I have an incredibly special guest in his place. He is a familiar face on Sky TV on a Sunday evening, but you will also know him from Coffee with Coach and the Inside the Huddle podcast. He is the current special teams coordinator at the Hamilton Tiger Cats and has found time in an incredibly busy schedule to appear today. A huge five-yard college welcome to Jeff Reinbold. Coach, how are you? I'm good, Tom. How are you? Uh, yeah, great. Considering you know everything that's been going on in the last couple of months, um, I've got a beautiful baby boy at home and I've been able to watch him grow up. What about yourself? How's Hawaii? I'll tell you what, man. I, I uh, if, if there's ever a place you need that's it's you want to be isolated in this is the place because it is gorgeous it is an unbelievable morning here it's seven thirty in the morning and it's already about 80 degrees and the sun's out 
hardly a cloud in the sky and ocean looks beautiful. So I, I have nothing to complain about. It's a very different situation to, to me here in the north of England, I have to tell you. Um, we've had two, t- two days of sunshine and then uh, thunderstorms for three days. So very different situation over here. Now, my, my first question for you is, um, it's probably the most difficult one I'm going to ask you, but it's got nothing to do with football. So when, right. I th- when I think of Hawaii, I think of its music, I think of its people, and I think of its food. Now, you've split your time between Hawaii with Canada and the UK as well. So what I'm going to ask you to do is you've got to, get, you've got to keep one of those things from Hawaii and you've got to adopt the other two, one from Canada and one from the UK. What are you taking? Wow, that's a really, really – I'll tell you what. I'll take the music from Hawaii and, and I'm going to say this. Now, this, is, this may shock you a little bit, but I'm going to take the food from the UK. And you know why? Because in the – I guess it's been 20, 30, 25 years I've been coming back and forth to the UK uh, every year. I've watched the culinary scene really change. When I first went there, it was like shaky at best. But now, um, I don't care where you go in, in the UK, you can find great restaurants, great places to eat, whether it's typical English fare or Scottish fare or whatever, or some of the best East Indian restaurants I've ever eaten in or in the UK. Um, you can find great Italian. I mean, it's everything. Since I think one of the great things about the EU is it's really, it really did expand the culinary boundaries inside Europe. Like you can go to any country in Europe and get great food. So we're, t- we're taking the, the Canadian people as well, sort of a, a famously friendly people. Um, what's life like uh, up in the CFL? It's good. I, you know, again, I've, I've really been fortunate, Tom, um, to have an opportunity to do what I do and to travel all over the world. And what I've learned from that process is that, number one, we're all pretty much the same. We all want pretty much the same things. We, you know, again, you've got a baby now. You understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You, you want your family to be healthy. You want, you know, your child to grow up and have a, you know, have a nice life and all of that. So we're not all that different. You know, politicians tend to separate us and, and uh, politics certainly can be a divisive issue and, you know, religion and some of those other things. But really at the core of it all, we're all pretty much the same. And, and uh, certainly uh, that's one of the reasons why I think one of the greatest gifts you can give a young person is the ability to travel and expand their vision and see things that they would have normally not seen. And, and uh, again, it does change your life. That's one of the things about Americans that um, I really wish that Americans would spend more time traveling the way Europeans do and seeing the world. And you, then you recognize, again, it's all pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it's funny you should say that. I um, I went to Philly and Jacksonville a couple of years ago at Wembley and I sat next to a guy, uh, a huge Philly fan, and he came over f- for the game and that was his, his first time out of Philadelphia. He, he sort of got the flight, went to the stadium, watched the game and then and then flew home to Philadelphia. Um, but your your footballing life is one of the most diverse I've, I think I've ever seen. So you played college ball in Maine, but you've coached in Montana, Texas, Hawaii, uh, Canada, Europe too. Uh, obviously, you started in the early '80s. What's the biggest change that you've noticed in the game in that time? Well, I think there's a there's a couple of things. Number one, the the, the 
if you talk about the structural part of the game, the X and O part, the strategies of the game, it's a much more wide open game than it used to be. Um, I think that there's some people that don't get the credit that they should get for that opening up of the game. And, and June Jones and Miles Davis, two of the guys that really uh, developed and, you know, Miles invented it, if you will. And, and June really refined the run and shoot offense, which was, four wide receivers, you know, no tight end and no fullback, one back in the backfield. When that came out, when Mouse started to do that in the late 70s, that was that was heresy really. I mean, you know, it was it was looked upon as like this is not football. What you know, what are you doing? And now when you go and you watch an NFL game, you're going to see most everybody's in at least three wide receivers most of the game and some some teams being in four wides for most of the game. And, and that really has changed the dynamics of the game, the structure of the game. The players have changed. Uh, the players obviously are much better than they were in my playing days. But the, the athletes, it's a, different, it's a different game now. It's much more a speed game than it was a power game back in the days. So, and then I think this, because of the explosion of information and the Internet, and, you know, shows like yours that people are much more aware of what the trends are in both college and pro football and, and you know, who the stars are and the teams. And it, so it's, it's really the – I think it's the best time to be alive if you're a football fan. Well, I, I certainly have only really got into the game in the last sort of five, six years, and, and it wouldn't have been possible without, as you said – the sheer amount of information available on the on the internet when I was about 18 there was one guy I went round to his house and he had a Dallas Cowboys jersey on um and I, I remember thinking what are you wearing you know I've, I've, I've never seen an NFL jersey in the flesh before and now you sort of you go out um sort of around the, the nearest city to me is Manchester you go out around Manchester you'll see t-shirts jerseys caps the the, the, the NFL has, has exploded over here in the last five years one thing that that maybe is yet to come or hasn't arrived yet is the college game. And you see um, UK fans are crazy about the NFL, but they don't necessarily know too much about the college game. Um, oh, obviously over there in, in, in the States, it's, it's tantamount to religion. Um, and what is it about college ball that makes it, makes it so special to, to the audience? Well, I think part of it is, you know, you, and I say this every once in a while, somebody asks me about why college football is as big as it is in the States. And I said, because nobody ever graduated from the Chicago bears. I mean, mm-hmm. these teams, these universities, which are hundreds of years old and have played the game for over a hundred years competitively or well over a hundred years competitively, these rivalries are very, very deep. And so when you talk about, college football and let's say Michigan, Michigan State, Auburn, Alabama, Montana, Montana State, you can name any any of the big rival games. Those games mean so much to so many people. And college, university time, as you know, everywhere is a really unique and special time in a person's life. And so the friends that you make, the the associations, the way you grow as a human being during that period from 18 to 22, all of that's such a real special time. And a lot of it centers around on most college campuses in the fall, it centers around football Saturdays. And, you know, whether it's the University of Maine, where our 
blood rival was University of New Hampshire, and we played for a 100-year-old musket from the Civil War. I mean, there's so <laughs> many traditions that, that you, mm-hmm. you just – it's almost hard to understand and to the uninitiated. And I really am glad that what you're doing with your show is helping to educate people about just how incredible college football is because it is a spectacle – um, you know, the NFL is, is, is a spectacle at the Super Bowl and at the, the London games, because I think the London games are the second most spec- spectacular things that the NFL puts on. But college football in the United States, you know, think about this now. State of Michigan, within three hours of one another, you have on, a, on any given Saturday when Michigan, Michigan State, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan – Central Michigan are all playing. Those are all Division One schools inside the state. You'll have over a quarter of a million people in the stands watching college football on one day. So it's incredible. It's you know it's incredible the the hype. It's incredible the interest, the fanaticism of the fans. It's it's an awesome spectacle. Yeah, that one thing that you said then about the London games, the, the closest thing I've experienced to, to the London games, it's almost on a smaller scale, like going watching uh, in the, the Football World Cup, because you, you sort of got a mixed crowd and they're there for the event. You know, at, at Wembley or, or at the, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, you haven't got um, sort of Jacksonville crowd and a, and a Panthers crowd, for example. You've got fans of, of all franchises coming together. But when you watch the college game, it's, it's so partisan and, and the noise is, is electric. Um, so my, my co-host Ash is an Ohio State fan. Um, oh boy. And currently my, my allegiance is up for grabs. So Ash is going to spend this year trying to persuade me to, to become a Buckeye. Um, I suppose I want to throw it, throw it to you now as well. Um, I'm a, I'm a New York Jets fan, so I'm, yep. I'm used to losing. I, it would be nice if, if in the college game I had, I had some successes to celebrate along the way. Um, if you could sell, uh, a college team to me, uh, who would you suggest I support? Well, I, I think there's a couple that really jump out in my mind. Number one is would be Hawaii. And the reason I say Hawaii, because Hawaii is one of only, there are only two states in the United States that actually were functioning countries of themselves once upon a time, the Republic of Texas and the, the kingdom of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, both of those places were kind of amalgamated into the United States, but Hawaii being so uh, removed from the rest of the country by distance has maintained its own distinct and very, very unique culture. And so it's almost like you, when you, when you coach or you play at Hawaii, you represent something much bigger than your, than your state itself. It's a, it's an ancient kingdom. It's a way of life. It's a culture unlike any other in the United States. So I think Hawaii is one that, that is unique. LSU certainly is, I mean, their fans, much like Bama fans and Auburn fans, and, you know, they border on insanity. And I'm going to tell you an LSU story, okay? And this will illustrate it for the people that are listening. I'm coaching at Louisiana Tech, which is a Division One school in Ruston, Louisiana, up in North Louisiana. Louisiana is a funny state. It's it's almost divided in half. South Louisiana is primarily Catholic, and they love to party. North Louisiana is Baptist and the Bible Belt. So we're going down to play LSU. 
And my mom and dad, uh, I asked them if they'd like to come to the game. My dad, you know, was a big college football fan. And when we were little kids, we used to drive around on, on Saturday nights and in the car, five kids and my mom and dad, and listen to LSU games on the radio. So we, we, I knew we were going to play them on their homecoming game. And this is when, when Saban was there. And I invited my parents to come. And the head coach is the son of the guy that I played for in college. I asked him, Jack, can I have my mom and dad on the team bus going to the stadium? He said, no problem. So they rode the team bus and were winding through Baton Rouge. And Baton Rouge is a real interesting community. It's, it's small. It's not a big city. And you got to wind back to the campus through these very narrow roads, like the roads in England. And as you're going through, these people have been tailgating and drinking <laughs> probably from probably since Thursday, right? And it's homecoming. So they're banging on our bus, Tom. Seriously, they're, they're like pounding on our bus because you got to mm -hmm. go that slow to get through the crowd. And you got a police escort and the whole deal. They're banging on our bus and they're yelling, tiger bait, tiger bait, tiger bait, like this. Wow. So you pull up to the stadium and you come to this little rise and that all, all of a sudden the entire LSU band is there. And I realized that that's where they do what they call tiger walk, where the team walks into the stadium together okay. through the fans. Right. It's really an interesting deal. So our kids are, you know, they, they come in last. So our kids get off the bus and my mom and dad are the last ones to get off the bus. And I'm behind my mom. My dad gets off my mom just starts to get off the bus and a woman and she had to be 75 right okay jumps in front of my mom on the bus and flips her off and goes <laughs> we're gonna kick your ass <laughs> <laughs> there's my only sport mother, can do that to people there's only sport my can mother was my mother was horrified but then we walk into the stadium and you've got an LSU stadium. It's an old stadium. Beautiful, but it's old. It's real narrow passageway to the visitor's locker room. And they have this Bengal, 500-pound Bengal tiger they call Mike, right? Okay. And you come around. There's no, there's hardly any lights in this tunnel as you're coming down. And then you take a hard right to get to the, to get to the locker room. And Mike is sitting right outside your locker room. And as soon as they see the first guys from the team come around the corner, they start beating on Mike's cage. And this tiger, and they've got a microphone. They got him mic'd up too. Lets out this incredible roar. And I'm going to tell you something. You should have seen our kids get plastered against the wall because they didn't know. I mean, that, that, and that's LSU. That's what you get at LSU. Talk about intimidation as well. I mean, that's that's crazy i mean over here um the probably the most tribal football fan base is probably liverpool and they welcome their team to the game with with flares and, and chants and flags and songs but i've never heard of a, of a live tiger being used to uh to, to get into the opposition's heads how did the players respond to that they were scared to death and you know it was funny now this is when you know they were really good like andrew whitworth was a laugh left tiger they had players all over the field Marcus Spears I mean they had all kinds of players and we go out and typically your homecoming game you're, you're playing somebody that you know you can beat right because mm -hmm. they want the weekend to be a big deal so we were going to be the sacrificial lambs and we go out and again LSU does a great job of hyping everything right so our kids go out and warm up now there's 95,000 people in the stands for warm-ups right and I don't know how many people are outside still drinking, but we go out there and we're warming up. And then all of a sudden down at the far end of the field, I'm looking and 
the tunnel where they come out and I start to see these, these yellow helmets in the tunnel and all this crescendo of noise starts. And I turned around to our players and I said, don't look down there. And they came out and I mean to tell you, it was so loud and they were so, I'd never seen a group of athletes that pretty. I mean, it was like, and I thought to myself, this 60 minutes better get over real fast or we're not going to have anybody left standing. And how did the game go? It, uh, I think they, you know, actually we played pretty well early in the game. We just couldn't, you know, they had too much depth and too much speed. And I think they ended up beating us like 45-21 or something like that. But, um, and we had a good football team. And we had, you know, uh, Josh McCown played in the NFL. And we had Ryan Motes played in the NFL. And we had, you know, Jerome Wisham played in the NFL. We had some good players. We just didn't – you can't match those guys, you know, uh, depth-wise. You, you talk about college football, Tom. I'm going to tell you something. The SEC is a – breed completely different from everybody else everybody else is trying to catch them yeah but the SEC is where the great footballs play so uh, looking at those two options um obviously there's you can there's an there's an inner underdog in me that says you know as a Jets fan do I want to go for the reigning national champions the, the thing that really attracts me about Hawaii is is I've spent five years convincing my wife that we need to take a trip to New York and go see the Jets if I can spend the next five years trying to get a trip to Hawaii out of this, then I think that that could be a, that could be some trip. Oh, you you know what? You got to come over and see them play one of their traditional rival games. Like for example, if, if Hawaii and BYU play one another, mm-hmm. that is a that is a almost like a religious war because there, it's the history of Polynesia where the Mormon missionaries and BYU is a Mormon school really help um, settle the islands, if you will. Right. They, there's a huge Mormon influence here and BYU has actually has a campus of satellite campus in Hawaii. And so a lot of Hawaiian kids who are Mormon will go to BYU. And then when they come back, it's a huge deal. So that, you know, an Olympic, I mean, excuse me, Aloha Stadium where, where UH plays is a really unique facility and tailgating at Hawaii takes on a completely different, you know, in, in like, for example, if you go to Wisconsin game, they're going to be grilling bratwurst and, you know, you come to a Hawaii game and it's going to be fish on the grill or, or you know, uh, Kahlua pork, which is a pig that's been baked for hours in an umu which is a underground oven i mean it's just it's a really interesting and cool deal that sounds incredible i think of those two um hawaii makes it into the next round for me i think you've you've definitely sold hawaii on me i'm good i'm good that's good i'm happy man because uh you know it's a really special place and those those years i was there were some of the best most enjoyable coaching experiences i had and is that is have you have you been in Hawaii since coaching there? So did you did you settle in Hawaii? Because of no. course you've, you've you've gone back to Canada since. So how did you end up settling in Hawaii? Well, it just you know what, Tommy. When I when I was a kid, my dad was in professional baseball and was a baseball coach by trade. So as a coach's kid, you travel all over the world and like all mm-hmm. over the country. And and so as a kid, I never really felt like I had a place or was at home. And I remember the first time in the 80s when I came to Hawaii uh, to, to look for football players, I remember getting off the airplane and it just hit me like that. I said, this, 
it was like, this is it. This is home. This is where you belong. And so it's kind of just always been that way in my thought process. Great. So from Indiana via Maine, Montana, Texas, you found yourself in one of the most beautiful parts of the world and, and every credit to you. Um, before we go, Jeff, I, I have to say, um, two good friends of mine have interviewed you in the past, Rob over at Far From Lombardi and Nia at NFL with Nia. And both of them uh, mentioned to me about your, your your energy and your enthusiasm, your passion for the game. And just on behalf of NFL fans in the UK, what you do for, for the profile of the game in the way that you reach out to fans and your generosity and giving your time to podcasts like ours, um, it really is appreciated. And thank you so much for what you've done to improve the profile of the game over here in the UK. I appreciate that. But let me just say this, that um, one of the things I learned from my dad, um, who was really a smart guy, baseball has some really cool sayings. And one of the sayings they said, my dad said to me as a kid was, don't be one of those guys that never learned how to say hello until it was time to say goodbye. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think about that and we're, we're given such an unbelievable experience, such an unbelievable platform. And if we don't give it back, if we don't pay the game back for what it's given, I football's given me everything I have in my life. So it, it, for me to not give that back would really be, I mean, that's an unthinkable act. And guys like you who have the courage to, you know, step out and, you know, you're, you're the first college football podcast that I've heard about in the UK. And I think that that's fantastic. And I applaud you for your courage in, in going down a brave new road and recognizing that there is another game, another branch of the game, another kind of our game that certainly – I think fans, as they start to listen to your podcast more and more, will really become college football fans because it is a unique and special thing. That's the hope. I mean, college football is a is a big, scary world, but I think once 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 you're involved and once you're into it, it's 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 hard to to, to give it up. I think there's a there's a beautiful poetry in you know taking your dad's message uh, about learning to say hello before you say goodbye, and that you've settled in a place where you've got one word for hello and goodbye. <laughs> and, that's, and that's aloha. Yeah, so, I, uh, you know what? I never thought about that one. I never did. So you've definitely, did. you've definitely followed your father's advice there. Yeah, well, he was a pretty smart dude. So it, it took me a long time to figure it out because I remember when I was, you know, as like a lot of young kids, teenager, and and uh, there were some times I remember him shaking his head and going, man, oh, man, did your mother – he used to ask me this. He said, do your mother drop you on your head one day? <laughs> Well, you've de- you've definitely definitely found yourself in a great place, and and a lot of that is not just down to obviously your undoubted talent, but um, as a coach, but also you way with people. And and God, I would have loved to have been a, a player in the locker room uh, with you on special teams. Um, before we go, I want to I want to mention special teams because I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about it. It's it's so often underappreciated. The television decides to go to to an ad break when 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 the special teams roll out, and also in the draft process, you hear about players coming through, and, and an analyst will say, "Oh, and of course he can offer you something on punt and kick returns." And I think what people sometimes fail to appreciate is this is the only phase of the game where you've got offensive and defensive players working together in the same unit, and special teams can can win you games. Um, 
What have you found when it comes to special teams, particularly with, with, with the players? What, what effect does it have on team spirit in particular? Well, I think there's one thing, and I talked to Thomas McGahey on Coffee with the Coach, uh, I think it's three or four weeks ago, and we were talking about this as special teams coaches. We are the only guys on the team, the only coaches, not, not offensive coordinator, not defensive coordinator, the only coach that addresses the entire football team every day other than the head coach. So it, to me, it's kind of, it's interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon. I'm not bitter about it. I just think it's an interesting phenomenon that the people who hire head coaches tend to hire guys who only work with a certain small segment of the football team. The special teams coach has to work with everybody. And here's the thing, Tom, I've done this a long time and every year they come to me and, you know, I ask them what position they play and they say, well, I'm a linebacker or I'm a, you know, offensive tackle or whatever they are. And, you know, I, I look at their, I actually do this to illustrate the point. I hold up a, their football cards in the meeting. Say, see what, see this John Banks, linebacker. Well, maybe, but what about if you don't play linebacker and you got to be the guard on the punt team? Are you going to be just as proud to have that on your, on your football card? And so, you, you're trying to get guys to do something that they frankly don't want to do. They don't see themselves in that role when they come in, but you have to make it, you have to, you have to help them see that it's how important it actually is. And <clears throat> let me tell you something. I think coaching is so much about communication and about selling because you're always selling the head coach's message. You're selling the culture of the organization. You're selling the, the game plan you're selling the guy's ability to do some of these guys as as incredibly talented as they are deal with self-doubt they deal with negative self-image all kinds of things that you've got to work through so it's it's really a unique feel i say to guys when they ask me about it, i said well you got to be a you know you got to be part therapist you got to be part lion tamer you got to be you know Part used car salesman. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go into it, and you also have to have an incredible uh, knowledge of the game because you're coaching both sides of the game. Here's the thing, Tommy. You know, when you think about it, there's no other pl- place in the game where a player can play both offense and defense in the same play. Because, for example, <clears throat> when you possess the ball, you're on offense. So when you start a, a, a punt down. There's no guarantee that you have to punt the ball, right? Yeah. So you're you're playing offense on the punt team until the ball is punted. Then you transition to defense. The same is true of the punt return team. They're defending the formation and the play because you've got to be sound in all of that. So you got to understand defensive structure. And then once the ball's caught, it's now a dynamic offensive play where huge yards of field position are, are exchanged. Another one of the little tricks I, I use is – I show them the stats from the previous year in the NFL and the CFL. And I say, okay, the leading receiver in the CFL last year averaged 17 yards a catch, right? Well, there were, whatever the number was, 12 kickoff returners last year who averaged over 23 yards a kickoff return. Now you tell me what's more important because field position is so important in football. It's always going to be that way. That's why that's how the game was grown and still is. So, it's just that constant reaffirming the importance of, you know, what it is. I, I think athletes will be or do 
Coach Vermeil said this to us, to me, and, and it really is true. An athlete will be only what you demand him to be or what you allow him to be. And it's never different. And I've learned that now. That's been reaffirmed thousands of times with thousands of players that I've coached over the, my career. That it, it's exactly – it's just like your son or your, your child. Whatever you demand from him, he will give you. Or what you, whatever you allow him to do, he'll give you that too. So it's a pretty heavy responsibility. Yeah, I mean, my little boy, he's, he's looking like he's going to be a bigger guy than his dad. So I've already got, a, I've already got plans for him at tight end. I, uh, there you, there you I'm going to turn him into tight find, end. That's a hard position to find, guys. That's a great one. Either. So that's, that's the plan. There you go. There you go. Right, Coach, it's been an absolute pleasure. I better let you go and get some breakfast. You've also got a coffee with Coach to come as well. Um, yes, it's been, an, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Thank Rob, you. Let's hope, do it again. I, let's do it again once college football starts. We'll, we'll do it a bunch. Do you know what, Coach? I am taking you up on that. We're going we're gonna to get hold of you in the season and we'll see, how, uh, we'll see how Hamilton are getting on, but we'll see how Hawaii are doing as well. Got it. Take care. It's an absolute time. pleasure. Take care of yourself. Mahalo. Mahalo. entitled to sexual health just as much as physical and mental health we want to make it easier for folks to find resources however they engage with us there's no wrong door so it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming talking about what their sex life is about their concerns and to make sure they're healthy do it for them do it for you montgomery county your sexual health matters visit doitforyoumc.org Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.